When the survivors of a mass shooting at a newspaper went back to work, everything was different, even email. What if someone's sending us more death threats or what if somebody sends me a death threat and I don't see it and then somebody comes and kills all my friends and it's my fault because I didn't read the email? That's this week on the Capital Gazette series from NPR's Embedded. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. Find Your Records was as much a social movement as it was a musical phenomenon literally blasting out of New York's Latino community for almost two decades, from the 1960s through the 1980s. Fania was synonymous with cultural pride as well as top-notch musicianship, lifting Cuban and Puerto Rican dance music to its highest form. And one of the main forces behind that legacy was Johnny Pacheco, Fania label co-owner, musical arranger, musician, and cheerleader. Johnny Pacheco died on February 15th in New Jersey from pneumonia at age 85, and this week on Alt Latino, we're going to hear from three Fania studio musicians who, between them, played on hundreds of Fania recordings. What's up, everyone? What's up, Marty? How you doing, man? Wow, it's been a long time. Johnny, I love you, man. Great, great, man. I got them together from around the country on Zoom to reminisce about their days with Fania and to give us a behind-the-scenes look at Johnny Pacheco and how he became the architect of the Fania sound, a sound inspired by joy and friendship. Oh, oh, it was definitely good times with you. And, and the spirit was really good because yeah. seeing guys that you haven't seen in a while, but then you'd see them again the next week and the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a lot to talk about, but first, let's hear the rest of this classic, one of my all-time favorites, Kimbara, from the album Celia and Johnny, featuring Celia Cruz from 
Marty Schiller, an ex-trumpet player and music composer-arranger. Marty Scheller's musical arrangements fuel many Fania classics as well as deep catalog tracks. He played trumpet before that and played with, among others, Mongo Santa Maria. Hi, I'm Eddie Montalvo, musician, conga player. If you look on liner notes, you'll see Eddie Montalvo's name pop up very, very often. Hi, my name is John Dandy Rodriguez, and because we're talking about Pacheco, I'm going to call myself a conga player. Johnny Dandy Rodriguez played congas for Fania sessions, all while he was playing bongo for Tito Puente's big bands and small groups. This Johnny started playing music professionally at a young age and met Johnny Pacheco before he even picked up an instrument. He knew my mother and father before I became a musician. And my father was a musician also, and my mother was a dancer. And when Johnny had his band, uh, maybe 1960, when he started his charanga, I, was, I wasn't on the scene yet. But now I meet him officially as a musician when I started with Tito Puente in 1962 in the Palladium, he already had his charanga out. And we would cross paths on the stage. He knew me from a baby, from coming to my house. He was a friend of my mother and my father. So he knew me. Now he sees me as a man at 17 years old. And I started with Tito. And uh, that's how we first met. Me and him go back a long way. Marty, do you remember when you first met Johnny Pacheco? No. But uh, it might have been, I was working with Pete Terrace's band. Those were the, there were a lot of gigs. And a lot of times he would do a double. So you'd play in one club and then go to another club. And Johnny was probably, I, I'm pretty sure he had his Charanga band at that time. And um, we would probably run into each other there, say hello, not really meet officially, but we recognized each other and you know, said hello. And Eddie Montalvo, what about you, man? Do you remember? Well, there's a little story with, with me and, and Johnny. I remember Ray Castro was playing with Johnny Pacheco, and he told me, listen, I'm going to need the group, and I want you to come here, and I'm not going to lie to you. There was a club called Leviticus. Leviticus? I went there. I got off a cab. I was living with my parents, and I got off a cab, and when I heard the band... I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even go all the way in because the band was so tight that I got scared and I was young. <laughs> I mean, I was the young guy, the band was tight. So the next day, Ray Castro calls me up and says, hey man, what happened? You didn't show. And I said, listen, I did show. He said, no, you're lying to me. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you what you guys had on. And they used to wear these uh, these polyester suits that were open up here with these, you know, with these flowers, like, uh, it looks like a tuxedo shirt. Yeah. And he started laughing. He said, so you did go? I said, yeah. I said, but you know what, man? That band's too powerful for me, man. I, I'm, I'm scared of playing that band. I, I, I really was. So I, I backed out. So then um, later on, you know, I got to play with, 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 with his conjunto. But my first experience with, you know, meeting really Johnny, may he rest with the Lord, was at Leviticus, this place called Leviticus. And I, I panicked and I, you know, I backed out. <laughs> so... You guys had a thriving uh, professional careers going, lots of places to play, lots of music, lots of recording. As you guys started playing more with uh, Johnny after he started Fania, at what point did things really start to take off, do you think? I would say from 70 on, because in 70 I came into Roberto's band and we were recording for Fania. There was a lot of sections going on during those days already. And then... Uh, uh, when I got made my band Typica, I was constantly in the studio with, with other people for Donnie. So that, I would say that's era 
that it was the busiest, maybe from 70 to, I don't know, 80 guys. I don't know. I, I, I did most of the stuff up to, up to 80 with, for, for Johnny. You know, that, that studio that they wound up owning, uh, La Tierra, it was 24 seven. I mean, there were, you know, there were sections, they would start at 10 a.m. or to one something, somebody else would come in at two to five, another section would be early evening, then it will be the late, late section. I remember going there at midnight, record from midnight to three or four in the morning. You know, that, that machine was going 24 seven, brother, you know? The funny thing, Johnny, with that also was that we would do sessions and you know it, that you didn't know who you were recording for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in the studio and they say, okay, tomorrow we got another session. You come to the next session, then you find out with all the respect that you were recording for Luigi Texidor, or you were doing something for Tito Allen. Yeah. And you didn't know, you know. Crazy times. It was a lot of fun. The recording sessions were parties. It became parties, those sessions. Because Johnny had this uh, this thing, you know, it, it, the way he would uh, do his, do the stuff. There'd always be a bottle in the studio and a lot of guys hanging out. It'd be a, be a party. It'd be a party. But the end result was they made hits. They made hits there, you know. Johnny Johnny had a an eye for picking out the right material. He had a great ear for the right tempos. He always talked about how much he played for the dancers. He wasn't so involved as, as a, a heavy loaded chart as more interested in a nice funky tumbao versus a big, big production chart. His thing was about the dancing, you know? And that's, you know, I think he had, that's something he had. He had a gift to pick out definitely tempos. He was very into the tempos. He moved a lot when he played, and you see him dancing. And then, I guess if he didn't feel he was make, making himself move, it wasn't happening. You know what I mean? <laughs>
You're listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras, and that was Cheo Feliciano with the track Anacaona from the album Cheo, released in 1971 on Fania Records. And we are talking about Fania and Johnny Pacheco with John Dandy Rodriguez, Eddie Montalvo, and Marty Scheller. You know, Johnny, it, uh, it reminds me that he and Barry Rogers were good friends. The trombone player. They both had that ability to be able to listen to something and know how to rearrange a little part of something that would really make it happen. Yes, and, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember one one time I was doing, a rec- I did some arrangements for Joe Batan. He did an album called Singing Some Soul, which had nothing to do with Latin music. It was a strict R&B thing. Okay. So, but Johnny came to the session and he heard a little riff that I had written for the horns, and he came over and he whispered in my ear, and I could I could smell that cigar breath on him. And he came over and he said, "Marty, that riff is terrific. Where else can you put that in in another place?" And he and I would say, "Well, how about here?" You say, "Yeah, what about here?" And boy, he was he was right on. It was the kind of music, like I said, that that wasn't his thing. R and B wasn't his thing, but he had the open ears yes, to be yes. able to you know, pick things out, make it a little better. He would also double up the horns, like uh, with the trumpets. It, it was two trumpets, but he made it sound like four trumpets. Yeah. God bless him, man. He had, he had like they say, like, he had la mania, you know, he, he had it going on. He had a very commercial ear, very commercial ear, you know? And he was a smart, smart businessman. I remember there was a, um, a rehearsal of the funny all-stars. I think it was for that uh, the Yankee Stadium concert. And there was a slew of music. You know, I was down there, a bunch of arrangers were down there. Everybody had done arranging. And he looked at his watch and he said, man, we got like 17 arrangements to go over. And we only got about three hours to go over it. He managed to do it. He managed to be able to pick out which ones. He said, look, this one is not really ready Let's pass on this, you know, and he got it all done. Uh, nobody thought at that point that we were going to be able to get, you know, I think it was like 17 or 18 songs done, but he managed to do it. Here is one of those arrangements. This is Echate Paya from the album Live at Yankee Stadium, Volume 2 from 1975. Oh, yeah. Did you guys realize at the time the kind of impact you were having on the music scene, the Latin music scene? And if not, when did you start realizing, wow, this this Fania thing is, is a big deal? During the days of recording, you don't you don't you don't really notice that. When I did started noticing the, the, the power that they had is when I started doing the tours with them in 77, 78, the Fania All-Star Tours, and I saw the audiences and I saw the craziness. You know, something like a like a like a Beatle concert, rock concert or something. They had that, they had that power, man, you know? Okay, okay. 
specific dates that come to mind you know when you think about those days i mean you've recorded so many records since then i remember doing i'm never gonna forget a, a session that i did with johnny and and may he rest with the lord alfredo valde was on piano uh-huh. and johnny i just want you to hear this one because i don't we never spoke about this one but i was recording with johnny and all of a sudden the session stops you don't hear the piano and all of a sudden, you remember how La Tierra was that you had that booth up on the top and then, you know, Johnny would speak through the mic and he would come down those little steps. Oh, and all of a sudden, he sees that the session stopped. And Johnny says, hey, Alfredo, ¿qué pasó? And Johnny leaves the studio, goes down, opens up the door, and Alfredo gets up and says, hey, man, I'm sorry, man. I was feeling it, and he got up from the piano. He started dancing on the floor because <laughs> that's the way Alfredo was. You know how Alfredo was. And Johnny said, "Man, you can't do that." You know, he said, "Well, forgive me, man, but I was feeling it, man. I was feeling it." And, and, and I, I remember those times with Johnny. You know, and let's not forget how great a flute player he was. Mm-hmm. We haven't spoken about that. He was a monster flute player, man. Yeah, of course, he played that Cuban. The five-key Cuban flute, you know, which is very, very hard, and he speaks on an interview I saw today how we how we learned it. He says he says in the interview I saw today that his mother in Santo Domingo used to listen to novelas, which is a soap opera from Cuba on shortwave radio. And after the radio show that novela was, was over, they would play Arcaño and Aragón, and he was listening. He said he actually fell in love with the, with the flute instrument. But he wanted to play that one because that particular five key flute has a different sound from the metal flute with, with all the keys, you know, that, that we know here in the state. Oh man, check this out. This is Estoy a Mi featuring Johnny Pacheco on flute and Pupi Legarreta on violin from their album, The Two Musketeers. And that's Johnny Dandy Rodriguez on congas on this track.
as the years go by and then people start recognizing Fania for the contribution that that you all made, what kind of self-reflection did you guys do? How did you feel about, yeah, I was part of that? Well, I'll tell you, there were so many sessions, so it was work at that time. But it was a pleasure to do that, to uh, go into the studio and really, I mean, a lot of great music came out of there. And I remember many times there would be sessions going on till like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And I was living up in the Bronx at that time. And I had to take the D train home and then get a bus from there. And in the middle of the winter, it was cold as hell. But I was just feeling so good because hearing the music that we had just done, I, I really wasn't at that point uh, recognizing that this was going to be something that would stand the test of time, that it would still be popular or still sound that good. But uh, uh, I'm glad that I was a part of it. Well, it's like, you know, Marty said, I'm glad that I was part of it. It's, it's like Johnny said, it's nice when even on the radio, you hear stuff that we all did. I always say funny, I was like Motown, you know, was the, the Motown for our era. For me, Felix, it feels great because nowadays you still hear those things. And we're talking about things that were done almost 50 years ago, 73, 74. Mm -hmm. Those things with Sally, those rec you know, those records almost 50 years ago, you know. And you walk into a club and you, st you still hear them today, you know. And it's nice to say something that people recognize, yeah, you played there, you're the, you're the bongo player, you were the conga player. It feels good to be a, to be a, 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 a bit of a part of that, you know. The last time I spoke to Johnny Pacheco, I, boy, I was playing with our friend Lafe up in a restaurant up in Dykeman, and he was eating with Cookie, his wife. I went to give him a hug. He tried to get up. I said, no, 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 I gave him a big hug. First thing he said to me, said, Johnny, we made great music together, man. We made great music together. I've said this before, and it's worth repeating. For me, the true magic of Johnny Pacheco's gift was not just his prowess as label chief, musical arranger, or cultural visionary. It was how all of those skills were put to use in the service of others. For Fania, and well into his later years as he mentored countless young musicians and arrangers. Thanks again to John Dandy Rodriguez, Marty Scheller, and Eddie Montalvo for sharing some of their memories. And check out our playlist of some of our favorite Fania tracks at npr.org slash altlatino. You have been listening to All Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras. Sí,